welcome to Creekside this morning. It's a busy morning. There's a lot going on. Um, thankful for those who are uh, in the back and saved some leftover pancakes for us from yesterday. Awesome. Great to see. We trust in God's provision for the Haiti team and uh, thank, thank you to all those that were involved yesterday. Let me just read a verse as we begin our time of worship together today. This is from Psalm 34. Psalm 34, starting in verse 1, just going to read the first three verses. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Let's open in a word of prayer. Father, we pray that those words would be true for us this morning, that we would exalt the name of the Lord together. We're here to lift you up. We're here to sing your praises. We're here to remember what you have done for us. We thank you for this opportunity. We pray that you would help to turn our eyes upon Jesus, to look full in his wonderful face. It's in his name we pray, amen. We're so thankful to have you here with us this morning. If you don't have a copy of the bulletin, make sure to grab one of those uh, from the Welcome Center. There are lots of helpful reminders. And, you know, one of the things as we, as we switch seasons and we, we start to move from uh, spring into summer, you know, we've got lots of graduations and open houses happening uh, but we also begin to shift our schedule on Wednesday nights. So some are normally involved in Awanas. Awanas takes a break uh, on Wednesdays. Some have normally been involved in youth group. And youth group is not taking a break for the summer, but the schedule does get a little different. Um, so I think there's a couple weeks uh, coming up where we won't have a Wednesday night uh, high school group. But they will continue to meet on Sunday night, small groups. So just make sure to look at your bulletin. I know I won't get all the details uh, exactly correct. So take a look at your bulletin uh, so that you can see that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read a letter from uh, Aaron and Kara Jones and uh, just uh, a letter of thank you. So I'll let it speak for itself. It says, to our Creekside family, Kara and I moved to the Des Moines area a few years ago, each from a different place and a different circumstance, but both of us having no family in the area. Recently, we have been faced with many challenges, the most recent being sickness. We wanted to share with you all that we are so incredibly thankful for the love and support our new family has shown us. Since joining Creekside, we have found it hard to feel alone, and that's all thanks to the service and love of this congregation. It's such a joy to see our girls <clears throat> so loved and cared for, and we can't express how grateful we are for this body. When we have needed help, you all have wrapped us in your arms and shown us love. From babysitting to meals to words of encouragement and support, we thank you. This letter is simply to thank everyone here for the love and support they give to us, making us feel like we have family. The love of God is definitely in the place, and we are so happy to be a part of this with you all. This congregation, congregation absolutely lives these words from our Lord. John 13, 34 to 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples 
if you love one another. So good word of encouragement. Uh, keep loving each other and um, lifting each other up in prayers. We have people that are going through trials. And um, Steve has a quick update that he wants to share. Uh, I think you can just come up to this mic over here, Steve. But there was an email sent out last night about Mark Grubb, so Steve has a little more info. Yeah, just uh, wanted to give you an update. Uh, we went to see Mark in the hospital last night. He's in the emergency room at Iowa Methodist downtown. Uh, he was transferred from Mary Greeley uh, to Iowa Methodist. He was in a farming accident. Uh, if you want to find out more of the details, I'll give them to you later. But uh, just needless to say, need, let you know that he has two bro breaks in his uh, left arm, and he has a, a, a pretty serious laceration on his uh, left chest, upper chest from the accident, uh, some bumps and bruises and some burns on his uh, arm from his, uh, uh, his shirt because uh, he got wrapped up into a, a piece of equipment. And so they're waiting for surgery this afternoon. It, we, went, we gave you the latest information we had last night. He did not have surgery last night because they were all booked up and uh, they didn't have a room for him, didn't have a bed for him in the hospital. So he's supposed to have surgery sometime this afternoon. So continue to pray for him. Also pray for Mary Bristow as she goes into surgery at Iowa City tomorrow uh, afternoon, or tomorrow at 11.45, 11.45 a.m. All right. Thanks, Steve. Sunday schoolers, please stick around for just a little bit. We're going to have a little video uh, that talks about one of our ministries here at Creekside, and then immediately following the video, uh, we're going to have our Generation Jesus group. Uh, for those that are new, it's a, it's a group of our youth that uh, regularly bless us with some special music. So they are going to come up uh, following the video, and uh, Sorry, after the video, I think we have Mackenzie sharing just a brief uh, few words. After Mackenzie comes up, uh, Generation Jesus, you guys. Come up with me because I was like, I'm not the only one expressing thanks here. But um, we just wanted to get up and express our gratitude to all of you here. Um, we appreciated all the prayer and the support and the finances. Um, this group was so important to a lot of us. Um, as a mom with two kids under five, I was really blessed to be able to come and have some time without my kids, as much as I love them, um, to hear from mentors and other moms, just little what we call nuggets of truth um, and little devotionals to encourage each other and to just keep running the good race and teaching our kids about God. And um, from talking to other moms, I know that I'm not the only one who has felt very blessed by this ministry. And we just wanted to say thank you. Um, we didn't put up on the slide, but thank you, Mike and Adam, for tef technical help. <laughs> we struggle with that a little bit, so um, we appreciate that a lot. And for those who baked us treats and came and shared devotionals and um, just came and loved on us moms, and then especially, I'm sorry, I'm going to put you guys on the spot, but if you were here and you helped out in the nursery, I'd love it if you could stand for us so we can say thank you. Um, we really could not have done Moms Together group without your help. Um, seeing as our main ministry is letting moms take a break and then hearing God's word. And, and we needed people that we could leave our kids with, and we just thank you so much for that. Um, we appreciate that. Anything else? 
Okay, if you guys have any more questions, you can ask any of us, or if you wanna get involved for the next fall, we're gonna start up again in September. Um, we'd love to chat about it, but thank you. Good morning, Creekside. At this time, we would like to pause and give a short tribute to one of God's greatest gifts, our parents. My own parents have helped me so much in my life, from teaching me how to tie my shoes when I was small to teaching me how to drive. You all, like my own parents, are daily guiding us to adulthood. Even though, like my mom, there are days that you wish we were little kids again. All of you parents have been caretakers, mentors, and kind and loving people to us. Today, on this Sunday, between our traditional Mother's and Father's Day celebrations, we want to celebrate you with this sincere thank you for truly being God's gift to us. Back to First uh, Samuel. We're continuing on our, our uh, series. Um, we're in chapter 13 now. Oh. Just so you know, um, DMAC classes start back up this week, and I have a five-hour class that meets twice a week. So I'm going to be easier on you guys. We'll only do maybe half that time, okay? So we will uh, journey through... Um, now you guys are just stuck on thinking about how do you sit through a class for five hours. I'm kind of thinking the same thing. So, um, Chapter 13, starting on uh, verse 1. And I want to point out something. Different translations have verse 1 um, kind of mentioned a little bit different here. So it depends upon your translation um, that you're using. In the ESV, it says, Saul lived for one year and then became king. And then he had reigned for two years over Israel... Now, if you read this literally, it says Saul was one year old when he became king. Okay? Um, there's different theories about uh, what's going on in this verse, because we know Saul was not. We read a few weeks ago in chapter 9 how you know, he was more handsome than all the men in Israel and stood above everyone else. Well, at one year old, if he stood above everybody else, uh, that uh, doesn't quite make sense. So... Um, there are some beliefs that there's just some numbers missing 
in 1 Samuel, and there's some other evidence of that, that uh, um, there was just some gaps in here. Um, in my translation here that I have in my Bible, it just puts dots in there. It just says Saul was dot, dot, dot years old. Okay? So depending upon the translation. Some other in, um, commentators believe, well, this is saying in his first year, okay, nothing much happened. And then two years, in his second year, then the rest of this chapter occurred. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. I just want to acknowledge the fact that we don't always fully understand everything that's written here. Um, at the end of the day, I always come back as the problem's with me. It's not with God. It's not with the Word. Okay? Just because I don't fully understand it doesn't mean the Bible's wrong and we can't believe it. Okay? So, but I do want to address it and just say that there are different ways of, of looking at these verses and interpreting these verses. Okay? So, Starting with verse 2, Saul chose 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul and Michmash in the hill of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan and Geba of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent home, every man to his tent. Okay? And Jonathan defeated the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba. And the Philistines heard it, and Saul blew the trumpet throughout the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. And all Israel heard it and said that Saul had defeated the garrison of the Philistines, and also that Israel had become a stench to the Philistines. And the people were called out to join Saul at Gilgal. And the Philistines mustered to fight Israel. 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and troops, like the sand on the seashore in multitude. They came up and encamped in Michmash, in the east of Beth Haven. When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, for the people were hard pressed, the people hid themselves in caves and in holes, in the rocks, and in the tombs and in the cisterns. And some Hebrews crossed the fjords of the Jordan in the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul was in Gilgah, and all the people followed him trembling. So just to give a little background here, I like to show a little map just to kind of give you some perspective as to the lands that we're talking about here. So between the Mediterranean and the Jordan there, we've got on the... Um, east shore of the Mediterranean, we've got the Philistine lands. And they invaded into Israel. Okay? And they took over many of the cities and the areas there. Okay? Israel had been constantly at war between the Philistines and the Ammonites and, and others around them okay, for years. And that's one of the reasons why they had called to, to get their own king. They wanted to be like the other kingdoms around them. Okay, and we heard last week from Pastor Steve about uh, you know, Saul, or Samuel admonishing the people, okay, standing up before them, calling them out. Okay. And so now we have this, this earthly king that the people chose uh, to put before them instead of having God be their king. Okay. So we have Saul. And Saul um, puts together an army. Okay. 
So what's going on here is the Philistines had occupied the lands of Israel during this time. Now, as long as the people obeyed, they subjugated themselves to the Philistine rule, there was no problems. The Philistines pretty much left them alone, let them to live their lives. As long as, hey, out of sight, out of mind, we're not going to think about it, that's not a problem. Uh, And Israel had a similar situation of an occupying force as to what we have. And what I mean by that is there is an occupying force in this world. In Ephesians chapter 2, he's referred to as the prince of the power of the air. Satan. Satan has given authority in this world. He doesn't have control over us, but he has control over aspects uh, of the world. And as long as we comply with what the world is doing and what Satan is trying to do, we're left alone. We're ignored. Okay? We're not, there's not a problem okay, with, with churches and Christianity if we're not fighting Satan. Okay? The same thing that happened in Israel. Okay? As long as uh, the people of Israel you know, complied with what the Philistines were doing, there was no problem. In his book, C.S. Lewis wrote in the Screwtape Letters, this was during World War II, Um, and if you're not familiar with this book, um, it's a senior devil, Screwtape, writing letters to his nephew, Wormwood. Wormwood is a tempter devil, and and he has what they refer to as patience. Wormwood is assigned to a patient to work with. And during the, the course of this patient's life, he becomes a Christian, Okay, Screwtape is very upset about this, but later in his letter says, all right, we can still work with this as long as we keep this man focused on his worldly life, okay? on his family, on his job, okay? on other aspects other than spirituality. We can actually use him for our gain, for our good. He can serve Satan. even though he is a Christian. That's what's going on here in Israel at the same time. As long as they comply, didn't make waves, didn't fight back, the Philistines left them alone and were actually utilizing Israel. But what happens? We have Saul becoming king. He puts together an army. And his son Jonathan attacks a garrison of the Philistines. So, going back to this map, okay, we have this area um, kind of northwest of the Jordan called Michmash. This is where Saul is located at. Saul has his 2,000 um, soldiers. Again, this is the first regular army that Israel's ever had. It's always been a militia before that time. They would call up men to serve as needed. And Saul, being a king, you know, he wanted to look kingly. So first thing he has to do is, I have to have people around me. I have to have soldiers around me that I can order around. So he has 2,000 men around him. His son Jonathan, who is down at Geba, which is to the southwest of where Saul was located, 
had a thousand men under his charge. Now, this is the first mention we have of Saul's son, Jonathan. You're going to be hearing much more about Jonathan over the next few weeks as we continue on through 1 Samuel. But this is our first mention of him. He is known to be a very good and wise leader. He's also a very faithful man. We're going to find he is kind of the antithesis of Saul. He's the opposite of his dad. Jonathan is not happy with this rule of the Philistines over Israel. And this goes against uh, his beliefs and what he feels is right and what God is leading him. So he attacks a Philistine uh, garrison near him and defeats this garrison. And so now all the um, people of Israel are shouting out and the trumpets are playing. And of course, Saul takes credit for Jonathan's acts, being the, the good leader he is, right? I don't know how many of you had bosses that uh, take credit for uh, your work or others' work or others' ideas, things like that, that are more important, more um, concerned about their image than um, lifting up their employees. There we go. Um, but Saul was, was this way, okay? It kind of lets us know the type of leader that he was. That he was more concerned about his image um, than those of of the people around him. So here's Saul. I've circled Michmash there, his 2,000 men. Here is Jonathan in Geba, and he attacks a garrison in this region. Now, this woke up the Philistines. Now, suddenly, Israel's not being ignored anymore. The Bible says they become a stench to the Philistines okay, because of this attack. Okay. So the Philistine army reacts. Okay. They have, according to the text here, 30,000 chariots. That's a lot of chariots. And 6,000 horsemen. Now there is some debate on whether or not these numbers are accurate, just like we saw in the first, but it doesn't really matter here. The fact is, they woke up the sleeping giant. And so the troops... Okay. Like the sands of the seashore, start amassing near Saul. Okay. And here we've got Israel that for one moment, they're rejoicing and cheering. Now suddenly they're trembling in their boots about what's going on, what's happening. Okay. What's going to happen? We've got some that are running. They're, they're you know, hightailing it out of the area. They're hiding in rocks and caves. Okay. Um, not putting their faith in their new leader, Saul. Okay, they're trembling before him. Okay, it says, when the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, for the people had been pressed, the people hid themselves in the caves and holes and in the rocks and in the tombs and in the cisterns. And some Hebrews crossed the fjords to Jordan and to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul was still at Gilgah, and the people followed him trembling. Okay. This is setting up the conditions for Saul's downfall. Now, here we are, we're in chapter 13. He has just been named king, and now we're already talking about his downfall okay, within his first years of, of his reign. Okay. Fear and ignorance takes over for Saul. Okay. So he now reacts 
to this situation that he's put in. Okay? So let's uh, go back into our text, starting with verse 8. Okay? He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And the people were scattering from him. So Paul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offering. And he offered the burnt offering. And as soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattering from me, and that you did not come within the appointed time, and the Philistines had mustered in Michmash, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgah, and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, with which he commanded you. For when the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Okay. So we have Saul reacting, okay. taking things into his own hands, ignoring what he had been told to do. And there were consequences because of this. Okay? Now, it, it's really easy to kind of glance over this passage and see what was the big deal. Okay? He just, he said he was trying to go after, you know, what, um, you know, to appease God and to address God and, and say, look, we're, we're in trouble now. I need your help. And, and Samuel, you weren't here. I needed to do something. But we have to look at Saul's heart. Okay? What was going on inside of him that made him react the way that he did? Okay? First, he panicked. Okay? Um, he did not put his trust in God. He was trying to use God essentially as a gimmick. Okay? If I jump through these hoops, then we will be okay and God will save us. Okay? And I have seen, in my few years of teaching, I have seen students react this way. They panic in the face of adversity, usually in the form of a test. Okay? And we catch them cheating. Okay? And when confronted, okay, what do they do? They make excuses for why this was okay. Why they had to. Just like Saul says, I was forced to do this burnt offering, okay? Just like my students were forced into cheating. Okay? In my prior career working in law enforcement, we had a lot of people that would get into situations where they panicked and they made very, very poor decisions, okay? Sometimes to the point of taking somebody else's life, okay? And they felt like they were forced into these situations. Saul uh, thought that he knew better. Okay? Everyone in Israel, all children of Israel, know that the priest is the one who is allowed to make sacrifices. 
to make the, the offerings. Okay? No one else. A king is not allowed to go in and make such offerings. Everyone knows that. It is very clear. Samuel was, or excuse me, Saul was told he had to wait for Samuel. Okay? Very clear instructions. He knew he had to wait. But his people around him were losing faith in him. He was looking bad. You've got this massive army getting ready to attack. And Saul felt like he, as king, needed to do something. Okay? He had to take action um, for this. Okay? He thought himself more highly than his position, that he could take over the priestly duties. Okay? He was king, by the way. He could do whatever he wanted. And when he was um, confronted with the actions, what did he do? He blamed Samuel. Samuel, you were late. You didn't show up when you were supposed to. It's your fault that I had to do this. Saul ran ahead of the Lord. He took things into his own um, steps, into his own actions. He did not wait and listen to the commands of the Lord. Now, most of us aren't in this situation where we're going to have a massive army attack us and we're responsible for that. But in our lives, it's so easy for us to do the same thing as Saul, is to run ahead of what God has planned for us. And I know I'm, I'm very guilty of having to be in control of situations and planning ahead. You know, I, everything is kind of like a chess game with me. You know, always trying to think three or four moves ahead. Okay? But what I'm missing out on is that peace okay? of waiting on God to be in control. Okay? In putting my trust fully in Him, knowing that He has the best plan. Okay? It doesn't mean that things won't become uncomfortable for me at times. Okay? There's no promise that my life will be without you know, some pain and and struggles, okay? but my trust has to be in that he has the best intentions, uh, and his plan is perfect. My plan uh, is flawed, okay? and again, that's where Saul got into trouble, okay? because he was thinking only of himself. Okay? The consequences of this was that he was going to his lineage was going to lose the throne, okay? whereas God would have established his kingdom, said forever, but now that was going to be taken away, okay? and another was going to be put in his place. Okay? Saul did not have faith in God's timing. Okay? He put his faith in his own understanding, and we're told in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. Okay? Trusting in ourselves instead of trusting in God can lead to consequences. Now, in, in Saul's case, it didn't happen immediately. Okay? Sometimes it will. Sometimes the consequences happen right away. Sometimes it might be years down the road. Okay? We don't know. It's in God's timing of when these consequences. And so don't confuse 
momentary prosperity with God saying it was okay. Okay, so Saul kept his throne for a period of time. He didn't lose it right away, but eventually he did, and David came into play. Now, Saul's not alone in here, and I know this this scripture is uh, very, very small, so I'm going to read this. We're we're in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 26, the story of Uzziah. 2 Chronicles 26, starting with 16. Uzziah originally had um, been a strong follower and faithful of God. Um, But, it says, but when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. But Azariah the priest went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand um, to burn incense. And when he became angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priests in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they rushed him out quickly, and he himself hurried to go out, because the Lord had struck him. King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and being a leper, lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. So 250 years after Saul, we have another king who thought more highly of himself than his station and decided it was okay for him to run ahead of the Lord and do beyond what the Lord had commanded, that he, what he thought was right to do. And again, you can think, well, what's the big deal? He's, he's burning incense to God. Okay? But in his heart, his action showed rebellion. Okay? His action showed, just like Saul, okay, that he can be like God. Okay? And he was struck down because of that. Okay? He lost his position as king and was struck with leprosy until he died. Okay? In Genesis, we have the story of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham had been promised by God um, that his lineage, again, would be as, as many as the, the um, sands on the, on the beach or the stars in the sky. But yet, time went by and Sarah didn't become pregnant. And so they decided to take things in their own hands. And Sarah said, hey, I've got this handmaiden. Okay? Be with her and have a child. Okay? And so that happened. Ishmael was born. Okay? The consequences of that, the consequences of taking actions in their own hand instead of waiting on God to fulfill his promise, that Ishmael and the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of Isaac to this day are still enemies. So these are long-term consequences of someone running ahead of God. 
um, Galatians okay, tells us that but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that they might receive adoption as sons. Okay? The point here is in the fullness of God's time, at the perfect time, God sent his son. Okay? And we can question, well, why did we wait thousands of years? How many people died without you know, Jesus in their lives? Okay? It's not for us. It's God's fullness of time. In Romans 5, 6, why we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So not only was he sent to earth at the right time, in the fullness of time, he died and was sacrificed at the right time. Okay? God's timing is perfect. And that's where we have to put our trust into. Okay? Um, it says, but when uh, they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Okay? Isaiah 40. Those that wait on the Lord. So we have these promises. Psalms, wait on the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Okay? And I know this is a tough thing. This is a challenge. Okay? If you're struggling, if you've got difficulties in life, things that you've been um, dealing with for maybe years and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and it doesn't seem like God's answering. Okay? We are still commanded to wait because his timing is perfect. He has a plan. Okay? There's a appointed time for everything and there is a time for every matter under heaven. And that's what we're commanded to, be, to uh, keep in our hearts, to trust in him. It's easy to say that I trust in God until things get tough. And now suddenly I want to try to take him into my own hands. Okay? We, we have his word. We know the commandments that we've been given. Okay? But then suddenly things get tough. And it's easy to start being like Saul and make justifications. Okay? Whether it's, you know, um, cheating on your taxes, okay? It makes sense because uh, yeah, financially I can't pay that amount. Or, you know, when we have our ethics class and one of the, the classic eth ethics questions that comes about is whether or not people think stealing is wrong. Well, what if you're starving, your family's starving? Is it okay to steal bread if your family's starving? What does the word say? The word say, yeah, it's okay to steal when you're hungry. Okay. Here's your circumstances in which you can do that. Here's situations where it's okay um, for in, you know, young couples to be together physically before marriage. Well, maybe it makes more financial sense for them to live together okay, before they get married. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. You know, we can't afford two rents. Okay. But what does the word say? Okay, logically, the world may say, okay, the world may say, yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's logical for you to do that. But what does the word say? Okay, we have to put our trust there. Okay. 
Um, pride can get in the way. It's, he, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or epochs when the Father has fixed for his own author- by his own authority. Okay? Our pride says, hey, our understanding, this makes sense for me to do this. I'm intelligent, I'm smart enough, I know what I'm doing. Okay? But again, that's our pride talking. Okay? That might be Satan whispering in our ears that this is a good decision for us to make regardless of what the Word says. Oh, well, this, is, this was just written for you know, centuries ago. It doesn't really apply today. Okay? That's the lie that we're going to hear. Second John, okay, chapter 1, verse 9. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Okay? So again, we're admonished not to run ahead of God, okay? not to take things into our own hands, okay? but to wait upon Him. And again... I'm recognizing and acknowledge fully that sometimes this is, a, this is a difficult situation when things get hard in our life. Okay? We want to take action. We don't want to just sit there. Okay? But we can always test our actions against the Word. Okay? We can know that we're running ahead of God and not following in His teachings if, if the decisions that we are making are not consistent with what the Bible teaches. Okay? Just like Saul. Saul knew what he was told. He was told to wait for Samuel to show up and that Samuel would offer the sacrifices. He knew that. That's what he was told. That's what he was commanded. And yet, in his mind, he knew better. Okay? This makes more sense and he ran ahead of the Lord. That's where the consequences come in. Okay? Again, when we lift up our prayers and don't get immediate answers, we tend to step in and try to take actions on our own. Okay? This is where it's important for us to have that faith to wait on, on God. Regardless of, of those consequences, we still can be assured that it's the right consequences. Okay? We have to keep our focus on God, not on ourselves. Okay? So, God chose a man after his own heart to replace Saul. Now, David, we're going to be learning more about David. David was not a perfect individual either. He still sinned, just like all of us do. Okay? It's not saying that he was perfect. He was not expecting Saul to be perfect. Okay? But Saul turned away from God and was looking inward toward himself. Okay? David, in his sins, always repented. He always came back to God. Okay? He never took his focus off that. He showed times of weakness. Okay? But he didn't blame someone else. He didn't blame God. Okay? He repented of his sins. Saul never did. Saul, when confronted, just tried to blame Samuel. Okay? He was forced to do this. David knew that God was the king. 
regardless of David's earthly statute, okay, God was king. Okay? And he always turned to God. And, and that's what our Father is looking for in us. He's looking for us to acknowledge that he is Lord. That we put our trust and faith in him, not in ourselves, not in our own understanding of what's going on. Okay? We don't put our trust in the world, in our bank account, okay? in those around us. We put our trust in the God. Okay? That's what he's asking for us. That's the lesson that we get out of uh, chapter 13. We look to Saul as an example of what not to do in our lives, not to run ahead of God, but to put our, our faith in him. And so if you are a child of God today, I ask you to, to look in your hearts and see, are there times when you're trying to control situations and not letting God lead? Okay. Are you running ahead of him? And I ask you to focus on these verses about putting our trust in him and waiting upon the Lord. I know this is something I remind myself regularly on this. If you haven't come to accept Jesus as your Savior at this point, okay, what are you waiting for? God's timing has you here for a reason. Okay? He's asking now for you to step forward and become part of his family and that he will guide you and direct your paths and keep them straight. Okay? And it just requires a faithful heart to pray and acknowledge um, him as your Lord and Savior. Yeah. And that's what we're asking. Um, as a band comes, uh, and the praise team comes up, um, we're going to be breaking bread in unity here. Okay. We're going to be reminded that, that Jesus sacrificed for us at the perfect time. Okay. He sacrificed... Um, for our salvation, okay? to be part of his family. Okay? And take time, take that opportunity to come before him. If there are sins that you need to confess, if you've not been waiting upon him, take that time. Okay? Share before him and, and reconcile with the Lord as we come and break bread together. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we, uh, we just thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us, for the lessons that you have for us, Lord, we are so thankful that when we're disobedient but come before you in repentance that you are always faithful to forgive us and to bring us back into reconciliation, to, to bring that fellowship together okay, as part of your family. Lord, we just stop and thank and acknowledge you um, for the many, many gifts that you've given us. Help us to put our faith fully in you as we go forward. We ask you to bless um, this time now of, uh, of sharing and breaking of bread and juice. Um, again, so it's pleasing in your sight. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.